that opportunity. Take your Bibles, if you would, and go with me for just a few moments to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter number 12. And if you are familiar uh, with this book of the Bible, you'll find, here in just a moment, let me get this turned over, you'll find some encouragement, Lord willing, uh, when it comes to action. Uh, because in Second Chronicles chapter number 12, you're going to be introduced to a gentleman. And some of you have uh, been here before. We've been in this passage of Scripture before. And uh, we've been in Second Chronicles quite a bit early on in 2016. And really in 2017, I've got a lot that we studied and spent time in. Uh, and a couple of years ago, we spent time dealing with this one subject of the, the heart, if you would. Uh, because one of the, the statements that you'll find that many of us have made before when it comes to uh, a situation... So, for instance, just a moment, I remember being in school, and I remember in my my fifth or sixth grade year, I can't remember which year it was, but I remember I was a pretty reserved kid in school. I wasn't necessarily uh, the class clown or anything. I wasn't, I was a pretty quiet kid, and uh, there was this one time when a, a teacher had gotten on to me and uh, made me sit out at recess. And you, if you know, if you go to school, recess is precious time. That's just Look, you can you can send a kid to the to the principal. Uh, you can send a kid outside to sit in a chair, but please do not take their recess time. I mean, that's precious time. And uh, I remember we were out at recess, and the teacher had gone on to me and and told me to go sit down. I had done something, and immediately I responded in a very disrespectful way. And uh, it, it was out of character. It was not who who I, I was, and not the way I responded typically, and and all that. And so. I remember one of the, the, the saddest times in my life was uh, during that time, I remember that my mother worked in the school. And so you can imagine whenever you're a child, your mom's constantly checking in on you and making sure you're acting right and all this. I mean, I mean, all the time. And, uh, you know, and so it was already one of those situations there. And I remember that the, the teacher said to my mom, she said, hey, Josh, he, he's, he's in trouble. He, he responded a certain way. He's already in trouble and all this. And I remember the teacher was just caught off guard. And you've heard this statement before. Here's the statement. Let's get to the heart of the matter. Because that, that's, that's really where it lies. Well, what's the reason behind it? Well, what's the situation at hand? Well, what's the problem? You know, and we, we have a way of uh, getting our excuses out there. We have a way of telling people certain things just to get people off of our backs. But there comes a time when, when someone looks at us and says, no, that's not it. Let's get to the heart of that. Where, 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 is, where is the issue stemming from? Where, where is the problem coming from? What is going on? We were in the book of Jonah last night. And in the book of Jonah, we love to give Jonah a hard time, don't we? I mean, look, Jonah, it was so easy. The Lord told you what to do. All you had to go is do it. You would have seen the greatest revival in all this. And so we were in the, the evening school of the Bible, and we were elaborating a little bit on that because there, there are many times whenever you can look at the life of Jonah and you can see different seasons he was in, you can see the problems at hand, you can see all of those many things. But then you take another look from a, a different perspective because there's two ways in which we look at the life of Jonah. The one way that we look at the life of Jonah is in a way where we critique his life. But then there's another way in which we look at the life of Jonah that will convict our life. And here's the convicting part of our life. When you actually study the book of Jonah and you find yourself coming to the passage of Scripture early on where the Bible tells us that Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. Any of you ever studied Nineveh out? Look, Nineveh is not a fun place. It's a dangerous place. Uh, you go and you study Nineveh out and you'll find that it was not a pleasant place. Who he was going to reach was not a, they were not an easy people to reach. 
And so as you begin to think about that, that's what Pat, a book of the Bible where you begin to realize that as you get to the heart of the matter, you begin to sympathize with Jonah a little bit as to why he did not go. And the truth of the matter is, we can be uh, uh, critical of Jonah and why he didn't go, but whenever we look at the reason why he didn't go, I don't believe there's a soul in here tonight that would say, you know what, I would have probably done it. No, we would have run too. Imagine walking into the presence of a people who the moment that they see you, they want to take your life immediately just like that. This is Nineveh. Imagine going to a place for just a moment where as you are trying to do something for their good, they're going to look at you and say, we don't want you, we don't want your word. And this is what the, the, these type of people. And so as you begin to study the book of Jonah, you get to the heart of the matter. And we addressed this last night. The heart of the matter in that book is that there are two things. Number one, we see that Jonah missed God's heart. Because that book of the Bible, God is revealing his heart for all people. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody? And uh, I think about, you know, there are certain court cases that are always on the news. And there are certain things that are taking place. And I saw a court case that was taking place just recently and uh, there was a, a father who was in the courtroom, and there was an individual who had killed his son, and he was in the courtroom when that was taking place. And I can imagine by the reaction of what was taking place that that father had in his mind, you don't deserve anything but life in prison. And sometimes if we're not careful as Christians, you'll find or you'll come across an individual who believes that there are certain people who don't deserve to hear the gospel. What a sad place to be. What a dangerous place to be. And so then all of a sudden you get to the heart of the matter. Where is that stemming from? I think about Josiah, who I worked with, and it wasn't until I got to the heart of the matter to realize why he was no longer wanting to be in the house of God. His parents had gotten divorced at an early age. His dad was a pastor. He saw a lot of hurt in the home. He saw uh, uh, parents who weren't committed to what they were preaching. And so we got to the heart of the matter. You think about a gentleman just a couple of years ago, a young boy by the name of Troy that was coming on our bus route, and he acted out at a VBS one night, and I remember sitting on the curb with him and talking to him only to realize that as we got to the heart of the matter, his brother had just been placed in prison, his sister had just been placed in prison, his dad had just run off, someone in the family had just died, and so as you got to the heart of the matter, you realized why everything was going the way it was and where it was all stemming from. And so now we come to this. This one concept or this one understanding, if you would, within the house of God, why is it that there are so many Christians that are sitting in great churches, that are listening to great preaching, that are seeing the Lord work, but they're not active in anything? They're not doing anything. They're not convicted by anything. They're not challenged by anything. They're not changed by anything. They're not moving in the direction that the Lord would have for them to move. Notice what the Bible says in Second. Chronicles chapter number 12, if you would, for just a moment. I want to draw your attention. We'll read verse 1, and then we'll read another verse here in just a few moments. I want you to think about these things tonight, because there are some things that we see in this book of the Bible, in this chapter specifically, that we must ask ourselves concerning our own lives. Because if you're here tonight, and you're sitting under preaching every single Sunday and every single Wednesday, and you're you're seeing the Lord work, and you're seeing answers to prayer, not only in this place, but in other places. You're seeing God answer prayers. You're seeing God work. You're seeing God save souls. You're seeing God call people to ministry. You're seeing all of these many things that are taking place, but you are unmoved by it all. Let's get to the heart of the matter for just a moment. 
Notice what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter number 12, verse number 1, And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Notice what the Bible goes on to say if you were to continue reading in verse number 14. If you study the Chronicles, you'll find that when the kings are mentioned, they are summarized, as we've said before, by two statements. They either did that which was right in the sight of the Lord or they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. That's their definition. That's how they're described. That is how they are remembered, is that they either did good or they did evil. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 14. And he did evil, but here's the heart of the matter. Why? Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. You see, one of the dangers within every single one of our lives is that we get to the place where we just go through the motions. In Scripture, the Bible teaches us and shows us that there comes a time in our lives where the Lord begins to try to get our attention, and He begins to try to break up that fallow ground within our lives. And in this passage of Scripture, as we get to the heart of the matter, we ask the question, why did He not do what He was supposed to do? The answer is very simple. Because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Tonight, as you've walked through the doors of the church, maybe you're sitting there and you've been sitting in that same seat. Maybe you've been listening to preaching. And maybe you even listen to good music. Maybe you even read your Bible. Maybe you even pray. But you say, I've been doing all of these things and I'm getting nothing. I'm not getting anything from the preaching of God's Word. I'm not getting anything when I read God's Word. I'm not getting anything whenever I pray and spend time in prayer. I'm not getting anything out of any of these things. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not God that has failed. It is us. We have failed to forsake some certain things and really begin to prepare our hearts to say, Lord, we want you to speak to us. You see, there, there are times whenever we were growing up, whenever we would be sent to a certain sports camp, and that sports camp was, was one common goal. When you go to a sports camp, the one common goal was to get better at what you were there practicing. You weren't there just to make friends. You weren't there just to, you know, go out and shoot a basketball or hit a baseball or uh, swing a bat or swing a golf club. You weren't there for just those things. You were there because you were wanting to get better at what you were there for. Well, in the Christian life, you begin to think about those times whenever we come to the house of God, those times whenever we get into the Word of God, those times when we spend time in prayer, those times in which we can really go to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be better off tomorrow than I am today. Lord, tomorrow I want to grow in my walk deeper and understand who you are and understand what you're trying to do more than I am today. You see, every single day is an opportunity for the child of God to take another step in the right direction. To take another step of faith. To take another step where we say, Lord, I'm just going to continue following you. You think about children. As children are growing up, there's a certain stage. The very first stage that as a child is born is they're dependent on the food that, that is given to them, whether it is in a bottle or for the mother or whatever the case might be. They are given that nutrition, and they are only able to do that nutrition. There comes a time when now they're able to do soft foods. Then there comes a time whenever they're able to eat hard foods. And then there becomes a time whenever they're able to really eat anything that they choose to eat, and it's a gradual progression, if you will. You think about the Christian. A new Christian is feeding on the milk. They're, they're, they're needing to get that, that milk, and they're feeding on the Word of God. And as they get deeper in their relationship with the Lord and understanding of who the Lord is and what He desires, they begin to chew on that meat and meditate on those things. And all of that is taking place in life. But there's a progression in the Christian life. The progression in the Christian life is that the Lord doesn't desire that you stay right here, but He desires that you keep climbing. 
that you keep growing, that you keep going further and further and further, and you get more faithful, you get deeper rooted in his word, you get deeper rooted in his ways, you understand that his will is far greater than your will, and you say, Lord, I'm not going to give myself to the things of this world, I'm going to sell out to you and watch what you do with my life as you're getting deeper in your relationship with him. Paul, as he is making the statement that I may know him, he is speaking, and it's, a, it's constant, that I may know him today, that I may know him better tomorrow, that I may know him better the next day and the next week and the next year, and it's a continuous progression. And so we find ourselves asking this question. We come into the house of God, and we, we sit in our seats, and we sing hymns, and we listen to preaching, and we walk out sometimes unchanged. And the answer is very simple. We ask that question, why does this keep happening? Well, let me ask you this question before you came to the house of God tonight. At any point, whether it was this morning, the drive to the, uh, to the house of God, as you walked into the house of God, or even just a few minutes ago, was there ever a moment where you stopped and you said, Lord, I'm seeking your face now because I want you to speak to me. Lord, I want you to deal with me. Lord, I want you to help me, to encourage me, to challenge you. You see, because I guarantee for many of us that on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of the last week when we had a revival meeting, we found ourselves doing just that. But can I share with you, the same God that you were seeking after in a revival meeting is the same God that you get to seek on a Wednesday evening. He's the same God that you get to come to the house of God on a Sunday morning and seek and a Sunday evening and seek. He's that God that we were just seeking after on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of a revival meeting. You see, there are many churches that are closing the doors, and there are many churches that on Wednesday evenings are canceling services. There are many churches that are saying, you know what, we're not going to do outreach any longer because it just doesn't work. And the Wednesday evening program, it just doesn't work. And all of these many things, revival meetings, they just don't work. But I'm here to tell you that we as a church have experienced just a couple of days ago on door-to-door visitation that there was a woman by the name of Joyce who has accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And there are people that are out there saying, oh, that doesn't work anymore. Yet there was another's name written in the Lamb's Book of Life on a Saturday, a random day when old Zach Newman knocked on her door. That country accent. Hey, y'all, we're from Gateway Baptist Church. A couple of, uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, there was a young man who came and he found himself on a Wednesday evening before the church service accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Sunday evening. Sunday school. Just a couple of months ago, there was a young lady who is actually in San Antonio. Someone was just asking about her just the other day. And she's in San Antonio right now going through a a battle right now to get custody of her child. And so she's out there right now, but she's still staying in touch with all of us. Who showed up, the very first person on the property for three or four weeks in a row. And we were pulling onto the property and we knew that the Lord was going to do something. And that young lady got saved that morning. You see, God is still working. God is still desiring to do the same things that we read in Scripture that He is doing. And the way that He was working then, He can still work now. Sometimes we look at the Word of God and we say, oh man, the Lord can't do that. No, no, He's the same God. And so you come to the house of God tonight, and I ask you that question. Did you enter into the house of God tonight with a heart that was prepared to receive something from the Lord? Or did you just show up? Did you just show up? 
You say, well, look, it's been a long day. You're, you're lucky I'm here. I'm not lucky that you're here. You're lucky that you're here. We're all lucky that we're here tonight. It's by the grace of God. You know, there, there, there are so many times within our lives. I was reading a testimony by a young man just the other day. He's a pastor in North Carolina, I believe. And his life was completely changed one morning as he was sitting on the front or the second row and he was about to announce to his church that the Lord was directing them a different direction and he felt a tap on his shoulder. The, 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 the teenager who stood out among all teenagers in his youth department, the one who is the most faithful, the one who is completely given to the Lord, the one who, who is all in all for the Lord. That one Sunday morning, tragic accident took his life some of you ladies went to a conference a couple of years ago and you know the story of miss wilkerson and her her son riding in a vehicle and just like that life taken you see tonight we sometimes if we're not careful we take these opportunities to be in the house of god on a wednesday evening for granted and we're, we're, we're let's all be honest for a few moments we categorize the church services i know we do you say, oh, Sunday morning, that's when, oh, man, that's the, that's the service right there. No, get that mind, get that way of thinking out. No, every single time the doors of the church are open, is an opportunity for God to deal with us and to do something amazing that only God could do. And so as you come to this one understanding right here in verse number 14, and he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. So notice a couple of things, if you would, tonight concerning this, because preparation is a very in, 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 important word within our lives. Preparation is something that, that really rules much of our lives. If we do the preparation, we do the things the right way, then we begin to bear the fruit for the things that we are chasing after. If you were to go and you were to talk about or talk to some of the millionaires in this world, they will tell you that there was a lot of preparation to get to where they are now. The NFL draft is a couple of days away. I believe it's tomorrow, as a matter of fact. And all of a sudden, you're seeing all these athletes and interviews and everything that is taking place. And you continuously hear this one thing. All these years of preparing, and we're finally here. Preparation is huge. Preparation is something that we can't take lightly. Preparation is something that even in the, the local church needs to take place as you prepare your heart for the Lord, you prepare your Sunday school classes, you prepare your ministries as you're serving, you prepare yourself to be used of God, and so preparation is important. But what does the word preparation mean? The word preparation speaks of an action or process of making ready, or to summarize, being made ready for the use or consideration. Preparation. If you're ever going to be used, if you're ever going to do something, you have to prepare yourself for it. You see, a prepared heart, it speaks of humility. It speaks of a yieldedness, if you would. It speaks of a, a seeking after, a sanctification, an obedience, a yearning, a longing, a, a craving, anticipating, a growing. You can go on and on. But preparation of the heart for the Lord to deal with us means that we are getting ourselves out of the way and allowing God to get in the way. One of the great things about our lives, if you ever are going to see God do an amazing work in your life, then you have to get yourself out of the way and get yourself into a place where God can get in your way. Where he can begin to do all the works he is trying to do within your life. That sanctification process. Tonight, if we were to pause for a few moments and go around this auditorium and I were to ask every single one of us, and as you begin to think about your life and the difference that Christ has made in your life and even your past and now your present and then even the future, you're not who you once were. 
And by the grace of God, you're who you are today, but there's a coming hope that God is going to perfect us, and there's going to be a day when we get to look our Savior face to face and say, this is all that I've ever longed for was to see my Savior. That is a day of hope. That is a day that we get to look to. There are days whenever we go through hard times, seasons of difficulty, and we begin to realize that heaven sounds sweeter, doesn't it? Yeah. You just say, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm just, uh, Lord, take me now, right? But wow, that day that it comes. We're able to see the Lord face to face. You begin to think about preparation. And you begin to think about the heart. You know, the Bible deals a lot with the heart. Notice what it says. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful. <laughs> I mean, we think that, you know, there, there was a song growing up that I used to listen to, and you probably heard it too. Listen to your heart. It's about the worst advice anyone could give you, right? Listen to your heart. It'll guide you in the right direction. No, it won't. The Bible tells us it's deceitful. You start listening to your heart, all of a sudden you'll start listening to all the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, the pride of life. You'll begin to think about yourself because this is what my heart desires. It's deceitful. It goes on in Psalm 51, verse number 10, creating me a clean heart. The psalmist is seeking after because he has realized his sin. He has realized some things, and he says, Lord, I need you to create in me a clean heart. In Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 21.2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. 1 Samuel 16.7, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance, we're on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I believe the Lord tries to remind us concerning this one concept of the heart and the importance of getting to the heart of the matter is because that is where everything flows out of. I've said this for years, and I truly believe this. There are times whenever something is said, and it is what is in our hearts that comes out at some point in time. And there are times whenever we will say something, and the moment we say it, the next words that we say are this, I didn't mean that. And the truth of the matter is, we did mean it in that situation, in that one circumstance, in that one occasion right there, we just didn't mean for it to come out. And that's the same thing with all of the sin within our lives. It's not that we were, we're sad that, you, as a parent, when your child gets in trouble and they say, I'm sorry, what is it that we say? We say, are you sorry that you got caught? Are you sorry that you were doing it? And that is the way of the Christian life sometimes. We ask ourselves, why are we not doing anything for the Lord? Why are we not getting anything from the reading of God's word or from the preaching of God's word or for what the Lord has for us? And the answer is very simple. Because we're not preparing our hearts to receive anything. We're not ready for it. We haven't watered that ground so the Lord could go ahead and that seed would be able to blossom and bloom to become something beautiful because we're doing things that we should not be doing or we're neglecting the work of God in our lives. We say, Lord, I'm thankful for my salvation, but hey, that whole sanctification process, do it somewhere else. We don't prepare our hearts. And so notice these couple of things that you find in this book of the Bible, in this chapter specifically. Look with me at number one, verse number one, the Bible says this. And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. And notice two things that he forsook. He forsook the law of the Lord. 
He began to forsake the word of God and the important statutes in God's word and the reminders in God's word and all that he knew that was right. And the truth of the matter is that there are many Christians that are forsaking some things, but they're not forsaking their sin. They're not forsaking the things that they know are harming them. They're forsaking the things that are good for them. The things that are essential, the things that are necessary. The Lord, in his uh, grace and mercy within our lives, has allowed us to see these these visuals lived out right before our very eyes. And here's the reminder. You see, the Christian life is not one that is easy to live. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that the Word of God says, hey, it's easy to live the Christian life. Why? Because there are trials that come. There's ridicule that comes. There's hard times. The struggle, the flesh that we continuously, Paul says he had to crucify the flesh. I die daily. It's a constant battle. And so you begin to think about how hard it is sometimes to live the Christian life. Doctor comes in. Doctor says, okay, we've got to get you on a a diet. Your health is out of control. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to start drinking water. I need you to start eating some salads every once in a while. You're going to have to balance your diet a little bit. You're going to have to start eating healthier food. That means all the ribeyes and all the cheeseburgers and all the, you're going to have to get those out of your diet because it's going to kill you. You got to start eating them lean meats. You know, those ones that taste like gummy junk. Yeah, you got to eat those. You got to eat chicken, but hey, look, you can't salt your chicken. That's too much sodium. And all of a sudden, you I mean, immediately, you, you know what I'm talking about? You're depressed right then, right? It's like, all of that to get in shape and to, to get myself healthy? And so God says, hey, here, here's something I want to remind you of. Your life is out of control. Sin is running rampant. Your life is, you're missing some things, so here's what, what I need you to do. I need you to, to really focus and spend time in God's Word. I need you to get alone and spend time in prayer and commune with me. Look, I need you to make sure that you're surrounding yourself by the right people in your life. I need you to make sure that you're, you're not feeding on the junk of this world. I need you to make sure that you're not feasting on the, the filth and the, the entertainment and the, the music and the, the, the movies and, and all of these things that it's just filth. And all of a sudden, we begin to think that we're missing out. And so the average Christian, and by that I say it in such a way where the one that we typically see or come in contact with, we begin to realize that many of us, if we're not careful, we forsake all of the good things in our life. Let me ask you this question. I don't want you to answer this question, but let me ask you this question. How how many of us tonight could actually acknowledge and actually sincerely say that we have opened the Word of God with intent to get something from it this week? How many of us can honestly say, and I pray you can tonight, that you have really set aside all the distractions and you were really desiring to spend time alone with God in earnest, fervent, focused prayer this week? How many of us can acknowledge that over the course of the last couple of months, every single service and many of the services, we've come in and we have sought the Lord and said, Lord, I desire more than anything that you would speak to me. You see, because as we come in with a specific intent, we say, Lord, this is what I want. Lord, I want you to speak to me. Lord, I desire that you deal with me. Lord, I want you to do a work in my life. Then all of a sudden the Lord says, okay, now I can work. 
see this often. That many of us, if we're not careful, we, we have, have transitioned from a, 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 an opportunity of actually holding this book in our hands to tablets, to phones, to gadgets. Because as the world is moving more and more in a technological sense, so are we sometimes. Look, I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful for Skype. I'm thankful for FaceTime. I'm thankful that I'm able to text. I'm thankful that I'm able to call my wife. I'm thankful for, for the communication. I'm thankful for even the, 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 the tablets and all that and how useful they are. There's just something about holding the precious, preserved Word of God in your hand and being able to open it and read it and be able to hear those and really understand the importance of what the Lord was trying to give us. We're forsaking all these things. We're forsaking the assembling of ourselves. We're forsaking the, the, the precious hymns of the faith. We're forsaking the, the good godly music within our homes. We're forsaking all of these many things. And it's just junk. A couple of months ago, as I've shared with you, I'm always looking for good music. You know, and I'm one who will wear the same song out over and over until I know it 100%. I could sing it. And that's just, that's just how I am. But I was, we were in the vehicle, me and the whole family were in the vehicle, and I'm searching. And, you know, if you have Apple Music, I don't know if you have Apple Music, some of you might, or if you have Spotify, I'm sure it's the same. But sometimes when you scroll all the way to the bottom, it'll say similar artists or recommendations or whatever the case may be. So I'm always clicking and just saying, hey, is this good or is this, you know, is this something I probably wouldn't listen to? And uh, there was a, a, a song that we, we clicked on. We clicked on an artist that said recommended artists. And so we clicked on and I just was hitting shuffle and just seeing if there were any good songs on there. And my daughter, who is in the back, or might have been Jackson, I think is who it was, is aware of what is good and godly and what is unacceptable. And he was sitting in the back seat and as he was sitting in the back seat, he made this statement. As we clicked on one of the songs, he says, wow, that's rock and roll. Just like that. And immediately, I had to take a step back. Because one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, does the music that we listen to fuel our spirit? Or does it fuel our feet? Do we get, do we get excited because, man, it's, it's speaking to me. I'm excited about that. And so there are many times in our lives where we're forsaking all of these good things because we want to be fed. I was telling Brother Sean and Brother John and Brother Zach right before the class last night, there was a, a clip that was sent to me, and there was a preacher. And uh, you're going to love this. Man, you're going to love this. And uh, she was speaking to her church for a few moments. And she said this. Listen to this. She said, our worship, when we come to the house of God, or our worship in general, it's not for God and it's not toward God. Our worship is for us. You see, God delights when his children are happy. So when you worship, don't worship God for God. Worship for yourself. That's the theology that's being taught in many churches today. But hey, when you come to the house of God, it ain't because you're coming to the house of God to worship the God of all gods and the King of all kings and the Lord of all. No, no, no. Your worship is for you. God delights in when you're happy, so when you come to the house of God, don't worship God for God and don't worship to God, but worship for yourself. And here's the reality. There are many people who are walking out the doors of churches, discouraged as they've ever come in, walking in discouraged, walking out discouraged because they've come worshiping man. They've come worshiping themselves. They've come worshiping everything else 
but the one true living God who gives all that we need and gives us the comfort, the peace, the direction, the guidance, the love that we need and that we're seeking after. All because we're worshiping to ourselves. Now that video was sent in jest. A recommendation to have this individual in, obviously a joke. And we laughed about it for a minute. The reality is it's sad. Because that is a prime example right there that there are many that are forsaking this book for their own desires, their own thoughts, their own imaginations. Number one, we see that he forsook the law of the Lord. We see that he, he had a, a people that followed him, though. Notice that what the Bible says. He forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. Parents, can I encourage you tonight? Your children are watching you. Workers, they're watching you. Leaders in the church, they're watching you. You see, what you do with your life pays a great deal of making a difference in a young person's life because they're looking to you and they're trying to find approval by what we do. My son knows that some words are not acceptable because he knows I don't say them and he knows he's not allowed to say them. But there are occasions whenever your children start to talk and they're starting to get a vocabulary where they'll come up to you and they'll start asking if certain words are allowed. And it's a great reminder right there that our children are trying to find where's that line? Hey, how far is mom and dad or how far is my Sunday school teacher? How far is the the worker? How far is that individual? How far is the preacher? How far is the pastor? How far is so-and-so? How far are they going to take this serving God thing? How far are they going to really take getting in God's word and getting something from God? How often are they really going to take this praying thing? Why? Because they're watching. And this leader began to forsake all of these things. The Bible tells us that all of Israel did with him. Look with me in verse number 9. The Bible says this. Right at the very end here, the Bible says he carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. Instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass. So we see that he forsook some things. But we also see that he began to fake some things. You see, there was a substitute here. And it was a phony, if you would. You'll find here that in this situation right here, God allows some things or allows the treasure of the house of the Lord to be taken by the king of Egypt here. And as we begin to read this passage and what is taking place, we realize in this one passage that the one thing to be right in appearance is another thing to be right in your stance. In your position, if you would. In your heart, if you would. And so in verse number 9, the Bible says, He carried away also the shields of gold which Solomon had made. But notice what he says. Instead of which, King Rehoboam made shields of brass. So we began to see that he was faking some things. Cheap imitation. Phony. There are times whenever you'll see a video, or you'll see someone out on the street, and they'll have these... A little devices in their hands. And they'll walk up to women typically whose husbands are with them. And you know what I'm going with this. They'll say, hey, let's see if that diamond is real. You don't know how many bad times some husbands have found out, hey, this guy needs to go because that diamond that's on my wife's ring is not a real ring. 
All of a sudden, that wife is looking at her husband. That husband's in a bad place. But babe, I love you still. So why did you give me something that was fake and phony? You begin to realize in this passage of Scripture, we're seeing some things lived out right this very moment. Because as you walk into many churches, you're seeing a cheap substitute for the power and the presence of God. Because you walk in and you say, you know what? That is no different than the world out there. Let's get a little deeper for just a minute. How many of us, if we were to survey ourselves and really say, Lord, reveal this to me. How many of us, if we were to ask the Lord to to come into our homes, sit at our dinner table, and just fellowship with us. How many of us would all of a sudden change the way we actually act? You see, Christ desires that we live in a faithful way in which we just live the Christian out where we're not having to put on anything. You want to know why many young people are leaving the house of God and while there's a, a great deal of people where, that are not being reached is because they're seeing many Christians that are just fake, if you will. And we even do this sometimes. We, 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 we get out of the vehicle and we put on and we make sure that we're walking in in a certain way and we're saying hi to everybody. We're shaking hands. We're sitting in our seat. And as soon as amen is headed out, we're, we're dismissing. We're, we're back to our normal selves of being grumpy about something or mad about something and disinterested in God's work and God's will for our lives and God's ways and the word of God and spending time with him. And we're substituting all of the things of the world for the great things that God would have for us. And so we see this here. Shields of brass or shields of gold? I think we would know that shields of gold is far greater than shields of brass. And so there was a forsaking of some things. There was a faking of some things. But then we see in verse number 14, there was a failure. The failure was this. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs eight seventeen, I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. This morning, I had the privilege of going and visiting with Brother Ron and Miss Ruth for just a little while. Miss Virginia was there in the hospital and was able to, to, to wake up and go and spend some time early. He was the very first person at the hospital tonight, this morning, and he was in surgery. He's doing great, doing well, and uh, thankful for that. But I, I was driving to the hospital, and you know that sometimes it's just great to be reminded of the simple things. And I was driving this morning and driving to the hospital, not, a, not hardly anybody on the road because it was early, and just looking at the beautiful sky and thinking, how many times have I woken up myself and I went to all of my desires that day, started my day off without even thinking about seeking the Lord, or giving Him this gift, or asking Him to take it and to use it in my life. The Bible says in First Chronicles 16.11, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek his face. Notice this word continually. Proverbs one nineteen two. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. And so tonight, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're sitting there right this very moment. You say, you know what, preacher, right this very moment, I know that I have been missing some things. And I've been wondering, why do I keep missing? Why is everybody else so excited about certain things? And I just, I'm over here and I'm not really getting it. Why is it that other people, they, they talk about how when they open God's word, they get something out of it and they're, they're excited. They're on fire about it. Or they're, they're spending time in prayer. And I'm just not getting anything. 
Let me ask you the question. Have you come to those things? Whether it's the house of God, prayer, the word of God, serving God, whatever it is, with a desire to seek you. And say, Lord, speak to me. Deal with me. Show yourself to me in this one area. Have you prepared your heart to seek the Lord? You see, preparation is a great, great work. It's not easy. If you were to sit down with some of the, the, the great heroes of the faith, I'm thinking about one right at this very moment that is still living by the name of Don Sisk. Man, has God used his life. And if you were to sit down with him and he were to begin to elaborate on some things, I believe that somewhere into that testimony and that time of talking, he would say, you know what? Every single day I had to remind myself that it was a day of preparation. That God is presently working, but he's also working towards a future for me. He desires for me not just to live in the present right this very moment and neglect the future and neglect the past, but he wants me to look back at the past occasionally and remind myself that, hey, that's where I once was, and praise God, I'm here today. But the Lord is over here still, and he's working. He desires for me to get to that place where I have run my race. And so there's a constant preparation. Whenever I was, and I close with this tonight, whenever I was growing up, my whole life, from the age of probably seven or eight years old until 17, my whole life was given to basketball. I remember one of the very first Christmas gifts I ever got that I was just, I mean, I, I will never forget this. I remember getting a basketball with a glow-in-the-dark basketball. I remember that goal and that basketball, and it glue in the dark. And, I, I mean, I'd be out there all night. You could barely see the rim, but you saw that ball glowing, and you just would shoot. As the days went on, I played in elementary school, played in middle school, played AAU travel ball, and I played in high school and played in college. I remember all of those many times, and there was always coaches along the way that would ask this question, do you want to be better today than you were yesterday? And it always had to do with this one word preparation because you see as a basketball player i remember the coach would always remind us the way you prepare and practice is the way that you're going to perform in the game can i share with you there are many christians that are weak in their faith because they're not practicing and growing their faith they're not getting into the word of god so whenever it's time to go through a trial they're failing and they're falling and they're flopping because they don't know what to do because they've forsaken god they've forsaken his word and they've forsaken all that he desires for them to experience. Can I encourage you tonight? It's time that we start preparing ourselves every opportunity. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, it's a day of preparation. The next day, it's a pre day of preparation. Why? Because God might want to do something, and he's trying to prepare you now for what it is to come. Lord, we do thank you tonight. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, I don't know if there's someone here tonight that has missed something, <laughs> but I know. Lord, every single one of us go through those seasons. Lord, I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to fail and flop a day. Lord, I desire that your will be accomplished. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us, bring us to a place of preparation and guidance. And, Lord, that we would seek you. And, Lord, that we would intently desire that you would do a work. I pray that you guide us now. Use this invitation the way you see fit. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.